Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we welcome Dr. Kate Shanahan. I would stake my reputation on this, and I said this on a national HBO show, Real Time with Bill Maher. I said, you show me uh, one person who's been avoiding these seed oils for five years, and they don't also have like Lyme disease or some other serious immune issue, who had a serious case of the corona where they were in the intensive care unit. And I'm wrong, you know, one person, you've proved me wrong, but nobody, I've I've heard not a peep. I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. I am so excited to bring to you, for the first time on the Keto Camp Podcast, Dr. Kate Shanahan. I totally geeked out on this episode. I learned a lot. I've been studying Dr. Kate Shanahan, who is a legend in the health space for many years, and she always brings new nuggets to my mind so I can educate you all. You're gonna love this interview. We talk about the problems with conventional medicine and her story of being in a medical box and what she did to pivot to the alternative health, holistic health space. She shares her awesome story about working with the Los Angeles Lakers. That's right, she was their nutritionist for many years. And she shares a story about what bone broth did to heal one of the worst ankle sprains Kobe Bryant ever experienced in his career. And then we get into her new book, The Fat Burn Fix. She talks about the hateful eight fats on keto. These are toxic keto fats that we want to avoid on our ketogenic lifestyle. We talk about the balance between omega-6 and omega-3. And then we get into a very controversial topic, fish oil. And Dr. Kate and myself share the same mindset when it comes to fish oil and after listening to what she shared about fish oil you're never going to want to take fish oil again then we get into some really cool research on the coronavirus covid19 and how countries with the highest consumption of a specific fat correlates to the highest amount of coronavirus cases and deaths and countries with the lowest amount of this toxic fat correlate to the lowest amount of coronavirus cases and deaths. And then we get into the myth of speeding up the metabolism, slowing down the metabolism, and why Dr. Kate believes you cannot do either. It is a myth. So sit back, grab a pen and paper, grab your fatty cup of coffee, be prepared to have your mind blown. This video is also on our Keto Camp YouTube channel. You can watch the video version of this after listening to it here on the Keto Camp podcast. And hey, I wanna thank you. If you're brand new to the podcast, welcome. We are on a mission here at Keto Camp to educate, to inspire, and to make an impact to one billion people on planet Earth. And if you're brand new, subscribe. We are a, a top 15 podcast here in the United States, and we release a brand new episode every Monday, every Friday, without a hiccup. I wanna take a minute here to get to the Apple Podcast review of the day. This is a five-star review from Anonymous titled, Start Where You Are. What makes this podcast so effective is that it teaches and reaches all levels of the audience. Whether you are just starting your lifestyle journey or looking to really advance your fitness, these principles apply across the spectrum. Bottom line, I am seeing progress. Anonymous, thank you so much for taking the time to lead that review. I'm so glad you are seeing progress. Good job to you for studying this information and applying it taking action because action takers rule the world, not intention takers. And Anonymous, you are an action taker. For those of you listening, and you have, if you have not left the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, please do so. Take a minute here to pause the show and leave that rating and review 
honest rating and review. And when you do so, take a screenshot, email that screenshot to support at ketocamp.com with your shipping address in the United States. And as a thank you for leaving the honest rating and review, I will sign a paperback copy of my best-selling fasting book and ship it out to you. So send that screenshot to support at ketocamp.com and thank you in advance. If you'd like to take a screenshot of this episode on your phone and post it on Instagram, I love it when you keto campers do that. Shoot me a tag at TheBenAzadi and at Dr. Kate Shanahan. And when I see it, I'll share it on my stories. I want to remind you that I do monthly webinars on keto and fasting and other topics. So if you're hearing this on time, head to BenazadiWebinar.com. See when the next webinar is coming up. Lock in your spot. We also give away a lot of free gifts for those who attend these free webinars. That is BenazadiWebinar.com. If you're struggling to find the right foods on your ketogenic lifestyle, I highly recommend you check out Catalan Fire's new lineup of keto soups. They are delicious. They live up to my high standards of quality ingredients, and they'll help you accelerate your ketogenic results. Visit kettleandfire.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code ketocamp at checkout for a 15% off. That is kettleandfire.com slash ketocamp. Okay, let's get into this amazing conversation with Dr. Kate Shanahan. Dr. Catherine Shanahan, MD, is a corporate health consultant and consultant for Mark Sisson's Primal Blueprint Certification Program and served as science director of the Los Angeles Lakers pro-nutrition program for six years. She is a board-certified family physician and author of the underground classic, Deep Nutrition, Why Your Genes Need Traditional Food, and the easy-to-read executive summary of Holistic Nutrition, Food Rules, A Doctor's Guide to Healthy Eating, and the brand-new amazing book, The Fat Burn Fix. Dr. Kate wants to empower her patients and her readers with the knowledge to lose weight, get healthy, and have healthy children by following principles of traditional nutrition. She has received many thank you letters from around the world written by readers who have astounded their friends, family, and their doctors and have been taken off chronic prescriptions. Dr. Kate Shanahan, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, Ben. Great to be here. I'm excited. Uh, I loved your work. I just said before we hit record that if you don't have deep nutrition and you're in the health space, you're, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> so we'll get into your book. Uh, we'll get into all your books, especially the most recent one. And before we do, I want you to please share your story with my audience and what got you involved in the health space. And then how did you go from the conventional approach to what you're doing now? Yeah, so my story was a sad story, a sad story, because I tell you, I had so much hope for medicine that I was going to get to, I was going to learn the underlying root cause of my passion was sports injuries and you know, recurring soft tissue injuries because I was an athlete and I kept getting injured. And after going through medical school, I realized that was a total pipe dream and I had to settle for, you know, I thought the most interesting specialty would be the uh, puzzle solving specialty of family medicine and primary care because we, we have the whole age range. We have to help out the specialists by, you know, sending, really making the diagnosis <laughs> and sending, um, you know, our patients with complicated issues to the right specialist. So I thought that was going to be like really the cool part about what I did. And as I graduated, I became more and more disillusioned about the, the non-mysteries, right? The, the stuff where it was hypertension and diabetes and all the cookie cutter chronic disease cases where we just wrote prescriptions and had people keep coming back for refills. That was so depressing to me. So my outlet was exercise. And then that was taken away because while I was living in Hawaii, this was about four years after I graduated, I got this mysterious problem with my right knee where I, I had this constant pain. It would swell. I started getting fevers and nothing would help, nothing helped me. I had surgeries. I saw multiple specialists. I got injections. I even saw a kahuna because I was in Hawaii and was like, well, this is the grand central station of kahuna. So better see one. And that, that didn't help either. And finally, my, I had to resort to taking my husband's advice 
It was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. But admit that he might be right that my sugar habit was probably not healthy. I, I had a horrible sugar addiction and I would literally add a quarter cup of sugar to my coffee in the form of this caramel sauce. So in learning about nutrition, which I did because he gave me a book that Andrew Weil wrote. So Andrew Weil is kind of like the founding father of alternative medicine. And he's now kind of Mr. Supplement, but um, he's very well respected. And he wrote a book called Spontaneous Healing. And in there, he mentioned a term, essential fatty acid, that I did not learn in medical school. And I thought I had learned everything about fats that there was to learn. And so having had a real interest in biochemistry previous to medical school, I actually was in Cornell studying biochemistry. Just like the fact that these things were omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids, I was just like, wow, that sounds so fascinating. So I I actually reread my entire chemistry book and um, took a deep dive down into the science of fats and realized that my problem was my problem with my health was that I was eating nothing like the kind of diet that the human body was designed for. And so I overhauled my diet. I overhauled the way I practice medicine. So like I kind of solved two problems at once. It was my, my knee, I got better. I was able to hike and bike and everything. And I started really enjoying my medical practice and I was able to get people off medications. And, um, it was a real thrill. It was like, finally, this was the underlying thing that I was looking for that I had hoped for when I was, you know, going through medical school. And some of your initial research, you look back at some of uh, the old cookbooks and you got some inspiration and, and kind of ideas of what we actually used to eat and how it actually was real foods. Talk a little bit more about those cookbooks. Those, I'm so glad you brought those up because those are the best nutrition science resources that we have available to us. And we have hundreds of them. Um, you know, the the problem, I'm sure your listeners have talked, uh, have heard other guests talk about this. The problems with our health started in the 1950s when we we kind of went off the deep end with technology, better living through chemistry, and listened to this one dude named Ansel Keys, who was trying to tell us that heart disease is caused by saturated fat, all just wrongheaded ideas and extreme, born of like extreme arrogance. The guy himself was known to be a bully and his friends called him arrogant. Not a nice guy, but he convinced the American Heart Association leadership that uh, they should go down this angle of sponsorship from industry. And that was kind of the beginning of the air quotes nutrition science or the uh, fake news nutrition science that doctors you know, pay good money to be brainwashed into when we go to medical school. And the end of real nutrition science, which was something that had been passed down through generations uh, and, and really was handled by, you know, mothers. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of a softer science. We thought of it that way. Anyway, we thought of like the culinary arts and just like mom's cooking. Actually, we didn't even think of them as sciences, but they, they truly were the original nutrition science because encoded in the short format of a, a traditional recipe is so much essential nutrition knowledge. And what my husband and I did when we wrote our first book, Deep Nutrition, was pose the question, you know, hey, people everywhere, when you look at travel shows, you see recurring themes. You see people using chicken, pigs, and grazing animals. And whatever vegetables are in their environment, whatever they can catch out of the water, there's a recurring theme here. So people think the same way around the world and we use the same tools. Could it be that we all needed the same kind of diet? And so we pose the question, is there anything that all of these traditional cooking techniques and cooking recipes and travel show and the traditional cooking of wherever they're going to have in common. And we found out that there definitely was, and it wasn't so much ingredients per se or macros or anything like that. It was simple strategies. That's how we defined it. It's a strategy of extracting the maximum nutrition from your landscape. 
specifically the edible parts of your landscape, right? Like not, you know, <laughs> not uh, bark and um, dirt, <laughs> but, um, you know, the living part of the edible landscape. And so that's what deep nutrition really is about, is just, you know, reproducing real nutrition science the way it always had been before people like Ansel Keys came along and formal education and before we convinced ourselves that because we used long science terms, macronutrients and you know saturated fat, that that was a more valid definition of diet than fresh fish poached and fermented. So you came across this truth. It, it is a truth. This is the way we were designed to live and thrive is to consume real food saturated fats, these stable fats. And then you had a decision to make, which was, okay, do I do a 180 here? Now, do I go back to my practice and start teaching my, my patients to have more saturated fats? Like what kind of resistance did you experience when you started to do that? Oh, resistance from every possible corner, because there's so many barriers in place, right? For one thing, just the demands on my time, right? Like, so I started giving talks to kind of help people understand, um, you know, there's something, some powerful information here. And, you know, please, you know, read the books that I wrote, right? And this was just, this was 2008, 2009, and we were on Hawaii and the world was not as connected back then. We self-published our book. We did, there were not like a lot of podcasts. There were like four. <laughs> there was no way to publicize it. So we just went out in public. And then I developed like this reputation for, being knowledgeable about nutrition, which was, which was that would you think that was a good thing, but it was a problem because people wanted to talk to me for more than the 15 minutes that my boss who owned the practice wanted me to schedule, right? So it became this huge stress because people would come down an hour away from the other side of the island and they'd have like a zillion questions that they wrote down, you know, and I was like, well, I'm sorry, I have other people waiting. And, you know, I was just, I had no way to manage it. And I wasn't the entrepreneur that could just be like, okay, well, I'm going to start my own practice or something. I had no solution for it, working in the standard medical practice. But I thought there was a solution. So what happened was I started looking around for, well, maybe the problem is I'm, I'm on the island of Hawaii and I, I just, maybe there's a better way to practice. Maybe there's another medical system. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So somebody was recruiting from New Hampshire. And they said, well, we're creating this new clinic called Family Health and Wellness, and we love what your website and that you're really into wellness. And they convinced me that life was going to be different over there. So I flew out there, great interview. You know, we relocated from Hawaii all the way to New Hampshire. And that was the same thing. You know, I was such an idiot to think it was going to be any different. It was the same thing because the medical system was the problem. It wasn't my particular boss or my, the particular hospital system I was in, it was the medical system. So finally I, I learned that lesson and tried to start on my own, but at the same time I got a book deal. So I really couldn't do both. So I just got sucked back into the system again. And then finally now my current job, so this is the ultimate out and this is the, the only solution that there is for medical doctors who understand nutrition and aren't entrepreneurs. <laughs> you wanna work for a company directly, like the way that uh, actually ironically on Hawaii, they had plantation doctors and the job of that doctor was to keep the patients or keep the you know the workers as healthy as possible whatever it took so you know if it took spending an hour with some people didn't matter because your income wasn't based on repeatedly you know churning through people as fast as possible so that's really the only solution that makes any sense to me right not being an entrepreneur not being like able to figure out well how can i sell classes and you know other things and have product lines and i just look beyond <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's a great solution. And I love that you're doing that now with this company that you're working with. So you skipped, you skipped something there in your journey, which I want to talk about. <laughs> you, you worked for the Lakers. Uh, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was actually surprised because, you know, nutritional science is, is pretty backwards these days. And I was surprised they would hire somebody like you who's actually caught up with the research. So how did you get that gig? And then what was it like being one of the nutritionists for the Lakers? Yeah, no one was more surprised than me. And in fact, the Lakers themselves were were shocked. They were surprised. <laughs> the only reason that we got together, the Lakers and I, is because, well, two people. 
my husband and Gary Beatty. So my husband just had the idea that it would be great for us, for my brand, and for sports in general if there was a radical overhaul of the way they did nutrition science. And it was like a miracle that Gary Vitti and his assistant, Tim DeFrancesco, were on the, the one of the two teams he called. He, he called the Miami Dolphins and he called the LA Lakers. And they both called him back, but the LA Lakers had Gary Vitti and Tim DeFrancesco. And Gary Vitti was from an Italian traditional background upbringing where his dad like always had a garden and, uh, you know, like made his own beef stock and chicken stock and, uh, you know, ate every part of the animal and all that kind of stuff. So when he read Deep Nutrition, Gary, it resonated with him because at the time his dad was like in his nineties and still living totally independently, had all of his faculties about him. And, you know, it's kind of a rare thing. And then D Tim DeFrancesco had grown up in Vermont and, you know, like the whole barefoot hippie thing and fresh raw milk, uh, lots of fermented milk, fermenting milk into cheese, stuff like that. So it all made sense to both of them. And then we were also lucky that we had the chef there who is still there. Sandra Padilla is still there making fantastic food. She grew up in a traditional Mexican household where she was one of nine girls, believe it or not. And like she was cooking her whole life. And so everything that I wanted to happen could happen because she grew up doing it and she just hadn't kind of been really able to have like the full reign to do what she wanted to do there. And it was just a wonderful uh, opportunity for her as well. We just told her to go, go for it. Like with, you know, you like making different types of stock, do it. You like using uh, different fats, bringing in different fresh foods. And I mean, she was just like a master of everything. And her food is like so good. Like when people can't would go from the Lakers to other teams, they would come back to the Lakers and they would make sure to tell Sandra that they didn't know how good they had it the first time they were on the Lakers because hers is probably the best in the NBA, which is saying a lot because wow. they you know they have good chefs. <laughs> I love that story of her having nine siblings, uh, eight of their sisters, and her being the chef for the Lakers. That's super cool. So what were some of the things that you started to implement for the Los Angeles Lakers? And what are some of the improvements you saw, if you could share with the athletes? So one of the things that was like brought, brought in the most like attention, the most media attention was what we did with bone broth. So there were points in time where the players would get injured and that was an opportunity where we could use the natural healing properties of bone broth to help reduce inflammation and get them back on the court as soon as possible. So uh, famously, Kobe um, sprayed his ankle, right? Somewhere around April of, um, I forget which season it was. And he said it was like the, the second worst sprain of his life. And so uh, I got on the phone, it was like two in the morning or something and said, hey, can you get some soup, some of the chicken soup that I had made, I had them make sure to have on, on a hand for the entire team. Can you deliver it to Kobe? And you know, we'll, we'll, then I had to talk to Kobe and do, I was like, do you want this stuff? And he was like, yes. So he was totally on board with all the natural healing methods. And he actually, after that, ankle injury recovered with like within less than two weeks. And that was the second worst brain of his life. So normally you're out for six weeks. So he was able to come back and like those kinds of stories got a lot of play with the media who are also interested in what we were doing. What was, that, what was this crazy doctor and what kind of crazy foods are the Lakers eating? And so that really, I think, had something to do with the whole like bone broth craze because we we'd get, did get a lot of press. And then, you know, even subsequently, perhaps the supplements, you know, around, around collagen and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think it really, really helped raise awareness of like this missing food group because that's literally what it is. Like all the glycosaminoglycans and proteoglycans that you get that have this ability to act like a hormone and help your, your skin, hair, nails, ligaments, your gut, all this kind of stuff. So that's one of the biggest, that was like the flashiest thing. And then the perhaps mo most important thing that's very not flashy that almost nobody was talking about, but in my mind was, you know, super important was to get them off the killer, what I call the hateful eight seed oils. Yeah. You talk about it here in your book, the, uh, the fat burn fix that I'm holding up here. 
Yeah, because those things are completely incompatible with athletic performance. They promote inflammation, the inflammation saps your energy, it damages your joints, it makes you feel tired. So they're like the, the opposite of what an athlete needs. So that was a big part of my job was actually calling ahead to all the hotel chefs and finding out, okay, so what is it on the menu that they can actually order? Um, and then making sure that the guys that were invested in their health knew what to order and what to avoid from the in-room dining menus. So what are the hateful eights? Let's get into this. So these are high polyunsaturated fatty acid oils. And I can explain what polyunsaturated fatty acid is, but mostly what you need to know is the names of the oils. So uh, there's three C's and three S's that you have to look for when you're grocery shopping. So that's corn, canola, cotton seeds, soy, sunflower, safflower. And then when you're in the restaurants and even fine dining, like the five-star hotels that the Lakers would stay at, there's rice bran and grapeseed oil. So that's the eight of them. And why are they bad for us is because they are too high in these unstable fatty acids. That's the category called polyunsaturated fatty acids. And that's the kind that Ansel Keys is telling people that we need to eat more of and carrying on his legacy of horror in places like Tufts and Harvard, we have you know the figureheads of these Ivy League institutions sending the same message out that we need to eat more of these polyunsaturated fatty acids. And they're just horrible for us for so many reasons. You know, it would take an entire series of podcasts just to cover it properly. But the short story is they damage your mitochondria and they promote inflammation. And, you know, they're, they are incompatible with health. Yet, we are getting 30, the average person who doesn't know to avoid these things, even if they're kind of a health nut, is probably getting somewhere between 30 and 50% of their total daily calories from these things and like 80% of their fat calories. From these things. That is alarming um, because the body has no use for it, right? It get, they get stuck around the cell membrane. They create inflammation around the cell membrane. And all of a sudden, this bodyguard, which is the cell membrane, starts to get inflamed and send signals to the DNA, creating disease. I want to take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers of taking fish oil. I know, shocking. I was somebody who took fish oil every single day for years and then i came across a ton of research showing the dangers of consuming fish oil i immediately found an amazing product called pureform pureform is a plant-based omega and the cool thing about pureform is that it is uniquely processed with nitrogen to preserve it and make sure it does not oxidize these essential fatty acids are cold pressed and you get the proper balance of omega-6 and omega-3 to feed your cells what it desires. We know that life begins and ends at the cell membrane. And when you have the proper fats, the building blocks for those cell membranes, all of a sudden, your fat-burning hormones can do its job. So you lose weight. All of a sudden, your cells produce energy, so you feel good. So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking Pureform every single day my dog takes it every single day. So does my girlfriend and my mom. This is how much I love the product. If you want to get your bottle delivered to your door, head over to purelifescience.com. Check them out. Order a bottle or two, and you'll be amazed by how you feel after taking this just after a few days. That is purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4 to apply a $4 off coupon. That is Ben. B-E-N and the number four. International shipping is available. Okay, let's go back into this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. So I want to get into it because I talk a lot about the vegetable oils. I um, interviewed a gentleman named Brian Peskin. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he wrote a great book. I think you'd totally geek out with him. It's called The PEO Solution. So he talks a lot about vegetable oils, about these unstable fats. And I interviewed him in person here in Miami. And I said, Professor Peskin, What's worse, smoking cigarettes or these vegetable oils? And I know you've had this conversation before with Dave Asprey and others. And he, according to his research, and I'd love to, to hear your thoughts on his research according to this, the stats here, he said if somebody smoked two packs of cigarettes every single day for about 28 years, 
their chances of developing lung cancer is about 16%, according to his research. And then he said, if somebody ate these cooked vegetable oils, these toxic eight, hateful eight, for every single day for up to 28 years, their chances of developing a cancer and or heart disease was about 86%. So how does that line up with your research? Yeah, I would say it's probably close. If you include other diseases that you don't want, like Alzheimer's and autoimmune diseases, we're approaching 100. Because without these seed oils, we would not have the burden of chronic disease that we do. Because we, you know, now, as opposed to 100 years ago, we know about things like vitamins and minerals, right? And so we were healthier 100 years ago, and we didn't have a clue about vitamins or minerals or polyunsaturated fatty acids or anything, right? So like, I would think that if you put together the ability to quantify the nutrients that we need and just the ability to avoid this toxic thing that you could pretty much make yourself cancer proof, pretty close, heart attack proof, autoimmune disorder proof, and Alzheimer's proof, that covers a lot of ground. Right. So, I mean, my thing is that these things are responsible for at least 95% of what primary care doctors are doing every day. And, you know, about that much in terms of healthcare expenditures, which are in the trillions of dollars. Yeah. Well, that's, that's alarming. Almost 100% of disease. Uh, you know, I know about these oils because of your work and, of course, Dr. Pompa's work and Brian Peskin. And I, when I go to restaurants, I, I drive the waiters and waitresses crazy because I'm always asking the questions. What do you cook your food with? It's always going to be a soybean or some sort of olive oil blend, which has <laughs> soybean. So I tell them I'm allergic. Uh, my girlfriend's allergic. Can we have something else like butter? And, you know, most of the time they do it. But we got to do that to eliminate those hits. And, and our body will heal, uh, like Dr. Shanahan just explained. But I want to talk more about these because in your book, The Fat Burn Fix, which... Everybody has to go get this book either on Audible or the physical copy. I actually have both. I listen to it and I read it because it's so good. You talk about uh, the great exchange, how in, in the history of nutrition, there was the great exchange that happened there that resulted in what we're dealing with today. So talk about this great exchange. Yes. Well, thank you um, for saying that. Um, so yeah, uh, the the actually I don't remember what is the great exchange. Do I, that's me. I say that. Yeah, yeah. You said it in your book. <laughs> so, so, what, so we we took these saturated fats that we were oh, eating, yeah. and then we you kind of you kind of already touched upon it, but I want you to talk a little bit more how we exchanged them for these poofas. That's what. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So right, I mean that's really what we did is we were having the bulk of our fat calories come from saturated and monounsaturated. And now we have a tiny minority of our fat calories coming from the saturated monounsaturated, and and it's all poofa. And what you said earlier is so important: is that you know after a certain point, we our body has nothing to do with them. And that issue about the certain point is such a, a confusing and like it's how the dietitians get it all wrong, right? Like. The dietitians who aren't like haven't been awakened, right? Like you and I, we've been sort of awakened, right? There are good, there are dietitians who have been awakened as well. But you know, the standard thinking is that people who are saying what we are saying, we just don't understand how saturated fat just clogged your arteries on this pro-inflammatory, right? That's the standard thinking because we don't understand how you need these polyunsaturated fatty acids, and if you don't get them, you're going to die. And so th that's true to an extent, right? We need something like 2% of our total daily calories to come from omega-3 and omega-6, and probably an equal quantity or maybe slightly more omega-3 than omega-6. Oh, really? You, you think we need more omega-3 than omega-6? Well, I, I think we do. And if you want to talk about that, you know, that's an interesting sidebar, sure, that we definitely can have. But the great exchange, and I can't believe I, I came up with that term and then forgot about it, but you know, you're like in a different <laughs> zone when you're writing. <laughs> totally. I'll remind you. I'll be the person to remind you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that, that exchange is, is just like the deadly thing that opened the door to chronic disease. And, and here we are. Because once you exceed that 2%, maybe 4%, but you continue to consume PUFAs, 
your body has nowhere to put them. So they have to end up in your body fat, right? Your cells are pretty much control freaks. And to the extent that they can, they try to limit the amount that's going to go into their membranes and inside them. You know, they, there, there's a point at which they can't really limit it. They can't control it. But, but so for the most part, it's going to have to end up in your body fat. And that includes visceral fat. So we have a lot of people, you know, who are on the skinny side, but they have this central obesity. And that's because when you have so much PUFA in your diet, your body can't even traffic it properly. And um, it doesn't want to go in your body fat. So it kind of just stays in the first place that it lands in your body, which is in the fat lining your intestines called the visceral fat. So that great exchange is what opened up the door to all chronic diseases. And all you have to do is, is reverse that, <laughs> you know, like, uh, it was that Willy Wonka in the cho chocolate factory says, scratch that, reverse it. And start eating much more of the mono and saturated fatty acids and just clear your your life of the PUFAs and the seed oils because you're going to get enough of the polyunsaturated fatty acids from whole foods as long as you have like any kind of nuts and seeds in your diet or um, if you want to do like a carnivore diet if you get fish and uh, you know wild fish and properly raised animals in your diet there's so much I want to talk about with you, and I'm uh, going to be disciplined and keep it on course with what we're saying here. I just did 40 days of carnivore, by the way, and my C-reactive protein, amongst other inflammatory markers, all dropped. I went 1.1 on day one of carnivore to 0.5 on day 40 of nothing but animal fat and, and saturated fat, and I did a whole panel. But anyways, uh, that just goes to show that we are actually designed to eat these stable saturated fats that are delicious too. So why not eat them? You mentioned that you believe we need about a one-to-one -one or even a higher omega-3 than omega-6 ratio in our diet? Yes. That's because the omega-3 saturated fatty acids are more unstable than the omega-6. And so even on a healthy diet, they're more likely to kind of get damaged in the process of cooking or you know just have some kind of a stray free radical kind of damage them and, and take them out right so in order for the amount that's ultimately absorbed into your body to be equal we need a little bit more of omega-3 sources in the food that we eat if that makes sense if, if we cook right especially if we cook yeah that's, that's interesting so if we're consuming unadulterated, you know, healthy, stable fats, which include omega-6 and omega-3, out of those two, omega-6 and omega-3, omega-3 is more unstable than the omega-6. So to make up that difference, we consume more omega-3 to make up the difference. Is that, did I get that right? Exactly, exactly so. Okay, interesting, right. okay. I wanna briefly take a break here and let you know about my favorite coffee in the world. Look, I'm a coffee snob for good reasons because the right coffee source can be healing to the body, can reduce inflammation and result in weight loss. The wrong coffee beans could actually increase inflammation, cause weight loss resistance and sabotage your keto results. There was a recent study in the Canadian Journal of Physiology and Pharmacology that showed caffeine intake from coffee beans could actually increase fatty acid production and help the participants produce more ketones. Most coffee beans are loaded with pesticides and contaminants and even molt. This is why I love my friends over at Purity Coffee. Hands down the best coffee beans I have ever tried. I have my delicious cup of Purity Coffee in the morning with some grass-fed ghee and MCT oil and it turns my brain right on and helps my body produce ketones. Purity Coffee is organic, pesticide, Free. These beans are specialty grade, and you could get this coffee shipped straight to your door in nitrogen flushed bags, roastery fresh. Since you are a listener to the Keto Camp podcast, we have worked out an exclusive coupon code for you to check out Purity Coffee. Head over to www.ketocampcoffee.com. Use Keto Camp at checkout to get 10% off your order. Again, that is www.ketocampcoffee.com. Use the coupon code KETOCAMP at checkout for 10% off 
your bag of coffee beans. Remember, camp is spelled with a K. And you know, the cell membrane, I talk about this often, the cell membrane is, what, I think, 28 to 33% omega-6, correct? Something around there. Um, you know, it's hard to know because you would have to look at people who are on a completely healthy wild diet, right? So how are we really going to find you would have to do that research on like something like uh like the hadza or the maasai but 40 years ago because now even these traditional people have had their diets adulterated you know so it's like how are you going to find out who's your what's your control you have to do like comparative zoology or something like that right uh, it's hard to know yeah, I don't need to be evasive, but I, it's, it's no, really that's a good hard point. to know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. With all the stuff we're eating right now, it's hard to actually know what we're actually designed to have in percentages. I wanted to bring up something, though, Ben, before we leave the topic, uh, because the, on this issue of omega-3 being so fragile, even more fragile than omega-6, you can't just supplement more omega-3 and get enough omega-3 in your body if you've been eating a standard American diet. You have to cut out the omega-6 because it's kind of like uh, you know herd immunity, right? We're all, in, in, now we're trying to achieve herd immunity so that those people who are never infected don't have to worry so much if they're like fragile, you know, like the over 85, the elderly population, you get 70% of the population immune so that you know, people who have never been exposed are less likely to be exposed. So it's kind of like that with free radicals in your body, right? So we have so much omega-6 and omega-3 in our body, but mostly it's omega-6, that there's so much tendency to inflammation and free radicals. If we just eat um, you know, a whole bunch of omega-3, it gets destroyed. It, it cannot, our liver, we don't have the antioxidants, so it just doesn't quite make it into, into our body tissues. What we have to do is cut out this omega-6. And there's been studies that show that if you cut out omega-6 without increasing your intake of omega-3, your blood levels of omega-3 start to rise. Because what little you've been getting stops being destroyed so fast. So it's very complicated. This whole issue of oxidation science, it's very complicated and there's a lot to consider. And so that's why I had to write the Fat Burn Big Fix, basically focusing on the effects of vegetable oil on your metabolism and your ability, your body's ability to generate energy only. Because like I said, you could do a whole series of courses on what the heck has happened to our health because of vegetable mm -hmm. oil. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people don't distinguish between adulterated omega six and unadulterated omega six. So when you're saying right. when you're saying reduce your omega six, you're talking about the adulterated, unstable omega sixes. Just to make that clear, yeah. Yes, yes, it's very important, and, and it's hard to get way too much if you're not using these, if consuming these right. seed yeah, oils. Yeah, absolutely, you're right. And then you know, this brings me to the point of fish oil. Fish oil. If we look at it from a biochemistry standpoint, which you do so brilliantly, isn't fish oil an unstable fat as well? Highly, highly. It is the most unstable, right? Because the, the stability comes from the number of double bonds that are located close to each other. They're called conjugated double bonds. And what that does is that sort of attracts oxygen. When you have two double bonds very close to each other, it attracts oxygen. And oxygen is an aggressive molecule. It attacks the bond and destroys the molecule. And so if you have two double bonds next to each other compared to just one all by itself, the oxygen is like something like 9 billion times more likely to attack, right? And so if you have three double bonds in a row, then you're just magnifying it beyond like normal numbers that we even have words for. And the fish oils, they have the most, the longest one of the fish oils, I think has like five double bonds, all very close to each other. So, so there's basically that thing is so unstable that it rarely makes it off the shelf before just 
being gone. And it doesn't just politely disappear and evaporate. It actually very often will turn into somewhat toxic compounds. So this is a serious issue. I mean, we're people, we have people who are consuming fish oils and they're actually getting some toxic compounds if it's a low quality, especially if it's a low quality uh, fish or cod liver oil. And they've, they've done studies on that as well. And I cite some of them and uh, denutrition. Yeah, you do. Uh, and you know, this is a topic that not a lot of people talk about. They're still very brilliant people in our space promoting fish oil. They're taking fish oil themselves. And the research that I looked at showed that 83% of fish oil is rancid on the shelf before we even consume it or purchase it. And then going back to Brian Peskin, he, he has an Iowa study that showed when we removed these fish oils from patients, their cell membrane inflammatory levels went back to a normal level after 132 days. It took them about five months to go back to a healthier range. And then when they put the, gave them the fish oils again, their inflammatory markers went back up and then they removed it 132 days. So it was just crazy to see that. When I came across the research, I thought, oh, I need to stop taking fish oil and stop recommending it to people because it's clearly not helping me or those I'm educating. So I immediately stopped uh, taking it. So it's not a very popular stance, but it's the truth here. Okay. You talked about on a podcast, I think it was with my friend Abel James. You did a great podcast with him. It might've been his show. You talked about the number one thing to do to reduce our risk of COVID-19 coronavirus is to remove these seed oils. And you looked at the research in Brazil and you came across some astonishing stats. So can you share about that? Um, yes. So wait, what was the, what was I talking about? Research in Brazil. Yeah, I could, I could, I could spark your memory here. You talked about Brazil consumes the most soybean oil right. and they have the most oh, coronavirus. Right. Okay. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Um, oh my gosh. Time flies. That was like, a month ago. <laughs> yeah. So of all the South American countries, they lead the way in the consumption of the, of the seed oils. And as the coronavirus epidemic was unfolding, I kept waiting for, I was looking at the global you know, case counts and I kept waiting for it to show up in South America. And for whatever reason, it just was resisting showing up in South America. And it does turn out that the country that consumes the most soy oil is Brazil. And they are, at least at the time where I did that research, they, they were the country that was by far and away leading in the deaths uh, not just cases, but also deaths from coronavirus. And I did some similar um, investigation with countries around the world in Africa, the, the whole continent of Africa. And I looked at the four or five most like infrastructurally developed there so that their statistics on coronavirus would be the most reliable, right? Because um, so, they're, they're thinking there's possibly a lot of underreporting. But I looked at what are the oils that they consume and where do the seed oils rank? And so the, the countries that had the worst coronavirus had the relatively higher consumption of the seed oils, whether it was corn or soy, those are two big ones in the continent of Africa. And the countries that were consuming more of the, in Africa is where peanut oil, I think, actually originated from. They call it ground nut oil because it tastes like a nut, but it doesn't grow on a tree like other nuts. So they they were really high in consumption of both peanut oil and coconut oil, and they had a lot less coronavirus deaths. And the connection here, so what is the connection? Why is this why is this not just some crazy coincidence? Well, the connection is is inflammation. Coronavirus is a fairly modest virus when you compare in terms of its aggressiveness, when you compare it to things like dengue or to infections, you know, it's a modest infection compared to thing, compared to things like the, the bubonic plague or another, uh, uh, like the uh, meningococcus bacteria that can kill people within 48 hours, right? So the coronavirus is slow, but the way it's killing us is by activating our immune system and making our own inflammatory processes work against us so that the virus gets to continue to divide and divide and divide in our body, even as our health deteriorates. And so when people are dying from the coronavirus, it's not like, it's nothing at all like when they die, you know, when you have deaths from dengue fever, where the virus just takes over your body. It's the inflammatory responses. It's the inflammation in your lungs that's making fluid accumulate in your lungs. And eventually you just can't breathe, even if you're on a ventilator. And it's the inflammation in the bloodstream that's causing this thing they're calling 
cytokine storm, which leads to just out of control uh, inflammation throughout the whole body where you, you start to get blood clots, you get um, fluid seeping out of the veins and just you, the body cannot maintain homeostasis and it's deadly also. But it's triggered by our own inflammatory response. And that's the connection between the consumption of soy oils and corn oil in South America, in the United States, around the world, and who's dying from the coronavirus. Because I would stake my reputation on this, and I said this on a national HBO show, Real Time with Bill Maher. I said, you show me uh, one person who's been avoiding these seed oils for five years, and they don't also have like Lyme disease or some other serious immune issue who had a serious case of the corona where they were in the intensive care unit. And I'm wrong. You know, one person, you've proved me wrong. But nobody, I've, I've heard not a peep. <laughs> I, I'm aligned with you. I totally, I believe that. And um, just another reason to avoid these unstable fats. Uh, we live in a, a unique world, 2020. I call it the character building year of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you had mentioned peanut oil. Peanut oil from my understanding, can be one of the unstable ones, no? Or is, do you find, okay, so what are your thoughts on peanut oil? So it's kind of borderline, but it is a traditional fat. So, you know, it was traditionally used, and I believe the continent originated on was Africa, where they called it ground nut oil. And it's, it kind of straddles the different uh, universes between, we have the seed oils, and the nut and fruit oils, right? So the nut and fruit oils, like so olive oil is a fruit, coconut is, is, is a, actually the flesh, it's really the fruit that we're consuming. And then the nut oils like um, almond oil or macadamia nut oil, those are like more traditional oils. And those are all much more stable. But peanut is tastes like a nut, it's as big as a nut, but it's a, it's really, it's a seed. So, uh, cause it's not a tree nut, right? Um, so it has a lot more PUFA than, you know, coconut, but not enough to be a problem. And this is really almost like a belief, right? Because I say this because it was used as a traditional cooking oil, but there's also the biochemistry that supports it too, right? So it, it has a lot of uh, monounsaturated fatty acids. It does have a good amount of PUFAs, but the key thing here is that you don't have to process it so harshly so that you can extract it without high heat pressure chemicals that destroy it to the extent that it needs refining. So basically you can you can do it with very simple raw materials the way they've like the way they've made it traditionally for ages and ages you know the way they make olive oil is just with a simple press well you can make peanut oil with a simple press too because there's enough oil in there and it comes out easily enough that it will still retain all the antioxidants that help stabilize the relatively high but compared to seed oils relatively low amount of poof oil amount of fatty acids, right? So you've got the vitamin E in there, you've got the natural antioxidants, you've got um, you know, a lot of the, the minerals and stuff that gets stripped out when you refine the oil. So there is refined peanut oil. Uh, and I don't recommend that as good, but at the same time, it's not as bad as your corn and your soy oils that are all refined. Um, so the refined peanut oil is in this unique category that I call okay. It's it's kind of like how do people who can't afford the really good stuff what can they do? Well, I'm going to tell them go ahead and just get the peanut oil that's refined. It still has a mild peanut flavor, so even then that tells you that it needs less refining, has a little bit more nutrition in it than the seed oils. And you have a great chart on your website that shows kind of a breakdown of these fats, which are good, which are okay, which are bad. What, what's your website again? DrKate.com, D-R-C-A-T-E.com. And we have about eight minutes left and I have so many more things. We got to do this, do this again, maybe on your lake in, in, in Orlando. All right. Let's finish with this. Uh, I, there's a quote from your book and uh, the quote is, it's not your genetics, it is your metabolism. And you speak about... The metabolism doesn't need to speed up or slow down. This actually doesn't happen at all. And you relate this to our body fat. Could you touch upon that? Yes. So our metabolism doesn't have speeds. It has efficiency and inefficiency. And 
when we are a fat burner, a good fat burner, healthy metabolism, it can efficiently switch from burning the calories in our last meal, which often contains some sugar. So, and usually sugar gets priority actually for being burned so that the body doesn't have to store it. So we can easily switch from burning sugar to burning fat if we have a healthy metabolism. And we do this seamlessly. And it's not just the fat in our food that we're burning, but it's our body fat so that we don't get hungry an hour, two hours, three hours, five hours, six hours after a meal. That is an efficient metabolism. And if your metabolism is inefficient, then you have a very difficult time switching from burning the calories in your last meal, especially if it was a high carb meal, to burning your body fat. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. And one of the, the key ones that you know, might sound familiar is that if you had carbs, your insulin level is high and insulin blocks just the release of your own body fat into the bloodstream so it can be burned. So if you feel like sluggish or tired a couple hours after a meal, it's not that your metabolism is slow. It's that your metabolism is not able to use the energy in your body fat efficiently. And the key to getting healthy again isn't trying to eat six meals or even exercise to speed up your metabolism, although exercise is really good for you. It doesn't work by speeding up your metabolism. It works by just making you healthy so that you can, you know, improving blood flow so that you can burn your body fat more efficiently. And that's the answer to, you know, to weight gain is getting your body so that you can burn your own body fat now. Because if you can't burn your body fat efficiently, then any diet is going to feel 10 times harder than if you can burn your body fat efficiently. And so a lot of people start to think that it's natural to think your metabolism slows down because if it gets harder to lose weight as we age, well, everything seems to slow down as we age. So it's a natural conclusion to draw. But really what's happening is you go farther and farther down this path towards metabolic damage. And I call that the diabetes spectrum because you know if you can't burn your body fat and you have to burn sugar, that means you're sugar dependent and you have to raise your blood sugar. And that is how people develop diabetes. You said it so well, Dr. Shanahan, and you talk about how to go from being a sugar burner who cannot burn your own body fat to burning fat and now having this metabolic freedom. So you outline all of it in your book, The Fat Burn Fix. I highly recommend everybody go pick this up either on paperback or Audible, and then go check out more of Dr. Kate's work. Where is the best place besides your website to go check you out? So uh, the website, drkate.com is probably the best, but I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and you get the handles from my website. <laughs> yeah, and we'll put it. We'll put everything in the notes of this podcast. We'll put your website, all of your social media handles, links to go purchase her book. Her all of all of your books are fantastic. I want to acknowledge you, Doctor Doctor Kate, for being such a pioneer in the health space for so many years. Uh, I'm sure you've taken so many arrows and you stand tall you and your husband so this is also an acknowledgement for your husband i appreciate your work uh, i've been studying you for several years now and you've been instrumental in my education and my education to educate other people so thank you for the books that you write the work that you're doing and i look forward to coming up to orlando and doing a, a podcast in person with you one day soon oh, that'd be a blast <laughs> thank you so much for doing what you do Well, I told you, you were going to love that episode. I hope you geeked out like I did. I love her energy. I love her vibe. I just love her quirkiness. I hope you did too. I encourage you to go watch the video version of this interview with Dr. Kate. This can be found on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash keto camp. And also share this episode with a friend, text it to a friend, text the link to somebody. It's very easy to do so. Shoot us a tag on Instagram if you're going to post this screenshot of the episode on Instagram at Dr. Kate Shanahan. And please leave the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show grow. It is the oxygen, the lifeline of podcasts. And when you do so, take a screenshot, send that screenshot to support at ketocamp.com with your shipping address in the United States only. And I will sign a paperback copy of my best-selling fasting book, and mail it out to you as a thank you for leaving an honest rating review 
on Apple Podcasts for the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with Dr. Kate Shanahan and myself. Stay tuned for the next episode and you'll hear me on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.